Hi everyone, in this podcast episode, I'll be talking about the highly recommended book that the hip-hop industry, the Hollywood elite, actually recommend that people read. Now this video, well sorry, this podcast is actually inspired by um, me actually watching this video about Harush. Now Harush is a makeup artist to the Kardashians, and in one of the videos, she actually recommended her followers to actually go and buy this book called The 48 Laws of Power. So the 48 Laws of Power is actually written by this guy called Robert Greene. And he used to work as a writer in Hollywood. And he then concluded that a lot of those powerful elites today, right, in Hollywood, in the, in the entertainment industry, they share very similar traits to powerful figures throughout history. So the main draw of why he wrote this book was he wanted to like, compile a lot of this observation and principles that he has noticed, compile it, and in each law itself, he actually provide examples of the law being actually applied. And there's so many case studies inside this book itself showing that if you know how to master one particular law, you apply it, you get something out of it, which I think is what we all want at the end of the day. When we acquire knowledge, it's not just for the sake of saying that I read this book, that book, and this and that, this and that, and just be a bragging point. We actually want to improve our lives and we want to apply whatever knowledge we have acquired so we can get more out of life, whether it be through resources, whether it through building connections with people, whether it be like getting respect or getting attention, whatever it is that we want, we are trying to get it through knowledge. So when this when I read this particular book itself, I felt like this concept of power, right? My thoughts about it was that this book is not, it's about power, yes, it's about how you get power, but also, also, also about navigating the human nature and also understanding what, how, what you should do and how you should go about doing something in order to get what you want in the end. And that means that you have to understand that the person you're dealing with in your day-to-day life. So that's how you get power. And also, um, I would think that, you know, this book actually has got, has got a very strong title. Why is that freaking 48 loss of power? Why couldn't they like, reduce it to 12? But then I realised that um, whenever we talk about something and we're trying to understand it in an in-depth way, there will be a lot of things in this book perhaps you may have come across in the past. The way you've been parented, the way you've observed your friendships have developed, the way you know, like people in your life have taught you, like teachers, friends, elders, you know, community people, and that has shaped the way you see the world. But for you to broaden your dimension of how the world works, I think it has to go through a systematic um, structure, which is a book. So the book is actually like a, a sort of like a, a pow- like a bank of ideas and concepts taken from maybe this culture, that culture, brought it together, then we look at the structure of the book, and some of it may be something you have never come across before your entire life. Some of it, you may have listened to it, but your understanding of it may not be as in-depth as what you think it is, but the book is able to then show you a um, different take on certain existing principles that is quite common that you already probably know of. And I think, you know, when I first came across this book title, I was like, hmm, that is pretty gutsy to say that if you read this book, right, you will then learn how to master and get power in your life. And I realized that the reason why people want to maybe perhaps pick up this book and read it is because everybody wants power. But in today's world, right, it's kind of dangerous to seem very power hungry and to be too obvious when you're doing something. And I think power starts to play out, if I'm not mistaken, I think it starts to play out maybe in a working environment. You start to notice that... uh, you, you will start to notice that you have to do certain things to confirm the certain value systems or principles or even behaviours in order to fit in. And when you fit in, then maybe you can get more resources that you want. Or at least you don't step on the wrong toes. And I think probably that's the time where I think maybe most adults start to think like, maybe they start to want to read things that can help them navigate the working life so that you know they can do a good job, they can fit in in fit into the company, they can fit into the industry and then they can progress and, and get more power and resources and then have career advancement in that sense. So I think that's probably why there's a huge drive sometimes to actually read this book. But also, I think one thing about this book is that it acknowledges the fact that human nature, right, from the time we were cavemen until right now, there's not much actually changed. I mean, obviously there were like technological differences, 
but the human beings has always have this need to understand each other, to understand themselves, so that they could be able to, you know, navigate the world. And the thing about the world is that currently in, in today's time, right, sometimes you have to be very careful in your pursuit of power. You, when you exercise any principle in your life, sometimes maybe you have to like close your intention. And some people, do, they don't want to do that. They say that, you know, why do I have to learn how to navigate the world and how to get power for myself? Why can't I just do my thing and if people like me, they like me. If they don't like me, that's their problem. And I think that's fair. You know, I think everybody should have the chance to decide for themselves what they want to do. But I think in this world, it's not enough just to be yourself. I think in this world, if you want to get resources and power, right, for whatever purposes, and I think it could be good purposes, you must be able to understand how the rest of the world operates so that you don't step on toes. At the same time, you build allies. And allies meaning that when you build more allies, you can indirectly get more resources for yourself. Because as a person, you know, everybody is limited by how much they can get for themselves as a person. But when they learn how to build allies, when they learn how to navigate the world and how to get power in a very more indirect way and less um, forcing people to do something just because of force, right? I think life becomes much more interesting and smoother for them in that sense. And also, I think, particularly some people have this aversion to getting power in the sense that they want everybody to be treated the same, whatever their status or strength. Um, and I think that this, I think, in some way is noble because in some ways we want to treat everybody with kindness and respect. I think that's a fundamental um, value that I think we should keep. But that also is a bit tricky in a sense because whenever you go to any like environment, especially, you begin to notice there are people that are decision makers and there are people that have to execute the decisions of the decision makers. So that means is that when you treat everybody the same, right, then you, what you're doing is you're actually ignoring their differences and you are not understanding who actually makes the final call. And I think that's probably the most trickiest thing ever is that in any circumstances, right, the moment you understand who is the key decision player, and you, un you communicate in the way that they, they, um, they can uh, agree with you on certain things or you understand them and you can cater to what they need, that's how you begin to make power. Yeah, that's how you begin to get power. It's through understanding what is the current situation, who has the power in that environment, who's a key decision player, and who do you really need to get along. And yes, I think in life, we will, get, we come, we will come across a lot of people in our life that we may get along with them, we may not get along with them. But for the purposes of sometimes getting resources and power, sometimes we have to understand like, even though you may not really like somebody, but for your ultimate goal, you must be able to work with them in a somewhat harmonious way. And that also means is that you must then treat people differently. And what I mean by treating people differently means is that uh, you still remain kind and respectful to people, you treat people compassion, but when it comes to communication, when it comes to um, the way you navigate communicating ideas or uh, treating people according to seniority and maybe like decision maker power, right? You act differently in that sense. And I think this is, I think, rational. Uh. So we move on to another reason why some people actually avoid power. Like they avoid actually wanting to read this book, I guess. is because some people, right? By nature, they're very honest and they're straightforward. And they feel to get power the technique is actually to be deceitful. That means you have to be secretive, you have to be deceitful, and you have to maybe, like, they feel like to get power, sometimes you have to cheat and lie. Um, I disagree. I think people who are inherently very honest and straightforward want the world to also be honest and straightforward. Unfortunately, being sometimes perfectly too honest and straightforward with people, we forget that not everybody communicates the way we communicate. Not everybody thinks the way we think. That's because everybody comes from different circumstances. And therefore, they value different things. So to order in order to operate in society itself, it's about first understanding ourselves and then understanding other people. And then when we craft our communication to other people, right, we don't face a lot of friction. I think the uh, strongest thing, I think when people are very honest and direct is they want people to be like them because they feel like, as long as their reasoning is logical, right? Why can't everybody jump on the same boat as them? 
unfortunately, I don't think that's always the case. I think sometimes being in a room of people, we have to be able to read the room. And that also means sometimes knowing when to, uh, when to communicate certain things or when to not communicate certain things. Because I think navigating the world requires us to not always push out our ideas of what we should, what we want the world to be, but to subtly influence it by getting people to be our ally first. So I think that is one of those reasons why I think people sometimes don't want to learn why and how to become more powerful. It's because I think they have a lot of preconceived notions about power means. Uh, sometimes they think power means someone is being uh, a bully. They feel like people who are powerful are the ones that are calling all the shots and then leaving the people at the bottom to deal with the consequences. So I think that's why sometimes with people is there's a version to actually learning something or mastering something because what they think is power, right, is maybe like wait, a 1% of examples that are bad versus some people that are powerful and they can move things around. They have actually used their power for good and to actually benefit humanity. So now we move on to the particular law um, in this book itself, which is play the perfect courtier. So basically a courtier is a person caught in those older days where you have like kings and you have like emperors and you have like multiple ministers. And basically a courtier is someone that survives in a world where everything is revolves around pol power and political dexterity. And in this book it says that uh, the person that has mastered or been the perfect courtier is someone that's mastered the art of indirection. He flatters, yields to superiors, exerts powers over others in the most graceful manner. And that is how the law actually was developed, the law of courtiership. And what it means is that, like, for example, let's say if I paint you this example, um, you know, a 19th century Arab traveler to the court of Darfur in what is now Sudan reports that courtiers that had to do whatever the Sultan did. And the moment they piss off the Sultan, or they piss off the ruler or emperor, they get into trouble. So that in this kind of environment, you end up developing the skill of walking a tightrope. That means you are careful not to lean on the left or the right side and fall off the tightrope and then die. So then you become the fine art of balancing that you have to now please a person, a powerful person, but don't please them too much. You have to obey a powerful person, but somehow distinguish yourself from other people other people that are vying for power as well. But at the same time, you cannot make the fellow insecure. Now, this actually seems like a monumental task and, and probably you'd be like, oh my God, it sounds like so much work. But then again, when you think about it, right, in a day-to-day -day life, like, how many times have you seen that people are managed, managed to get things to get be done their way without having to really push somebody through maybe like threatening them? And that itself is power. So I think it, it's much more uh, important nowadays to think like how can we understand what it means to acquire power and then how we get to use it. So this particular chapter itself, I'll just read a couple of rules I picked up from this book uh, because I think it's actually quite powerful. The first rule is to avoid ostentation. It's never prudent to prattle on about yourself or call too much attention to your actions. The more you talk about your deeds, the more suspicion you cause. You also stop enough envy among your peers to induce treachery and backstabbing. Be careful, ever so careful, in trumpeting your own achievements and always talk less about yourself than about other people. Modesty is generally preferable. Now, my take on this rule itself is that be careful about showing off too much. And the reason why you will not want to do the showing off too much is end of the day is this. Um, sometimes I think when we achieve certain things in our life, we have things good things that happen to us. The natural tendency is sometimes to want to share this with other people. Because I think happiness sometimes feels more real when you share it with other people. But I think in this world I think we have to be able to read the people that we are sharing the stuff with. Like, you know, um, you, on some level, I think people have to develop the skill to be good judge or character. And that is only because who you're sharing that stuff with, right, knows, begins to know a lot about you as a person. And in this world, I think we have all sorts of characters. And jealousy is a human trait. 
there's I mean although like people say that jealousy is one of those deadly sins I think not sure whether it's actually a deadly sin but you know it's a fact that human beings will want what they do not have and if you have something that they have already and they can't seem to get it for themselves then there's jealousy so I think part of navigating the world when you're dealing with jealousy right some people are jealous they don't do anything about it you know they just feel the feelings and like okay like roll their eyes at you and you know go on with their lives but there are other people in their life they're jealous right because they cannot get something they don't want you to get what you have gotten and then they then develop multiple ways to provide to prevent you to get what to get any more things that you want in your life now a lot of us may think like you know why can't these people get over their jealousy you know i think jealousy is an inherent as human trait some negative qualities of human beings right i think it's always going to be there it's a, just a question of how do we navigate the situation how do we avoid danger and avoiding danger starts with first accepting that there's danger out there there are people with qualities that unless they t- communicate to you openly you will not know actually what's on their mind but that doesn't that shouldn't stop us from you know uh, having a sort of more careful approach when it comes to human beings this book i think is not about telling you to be afraid of human beings it's not telling you to run and hide in a corner and not tell anybody anything about your life i think this book is about telling you if you want to talk about your success and the good things in your life be careful about it number 1 number 2 like if you if you really want to share find out the people in your life that are genuinely happy for you and this will take some time so instead of just broadcasting what you're happy about or like what your like your success and stuff like that where you know you think that everybody will praise you everybody will be happy for you you have to acknowledge the fact that some people that do not have what you have will be jealous that's it and some people they take that jealousy one step further and start to do a lot of things that could put a obstacle in your path so i think when it comes to ostentation right avoiding ostentation is particular rule we should always be careful in terms of trumpeting our own achievements we should talk less about ourselves because the moment you talk a lot about yourself you're revealing to the world who you are what are your weaknesses what is your achievements your strengths and all that and some people instead of using that to fuel them to to feel like they can also do incredible great things they you become the obsession basically <laughs> you become the obsession and and if they cannot get something for themselves they despise you for it because you are like somebody that have gotten something they have couldn't have got got so that's why people um this lot of this book actually talks about modesty modesty isn't for the sake of like being a virtuous human being is actually something to protect you against danger so now we move on to the second rule second rule is alter your style and language according to the person you're dealing with now there's this like pseudo belief of equality that we should talk and act the same way with everybody no matter what their rank and somehow that makes us like the paragon of like civilization and actually it's a terrible mistake now the reason why is this when we mean talk and act the same way with everybody i think at some level we should give people like courtesy but we must also understand the person that we're dealing with sometimes require different levels of style and language and that again is falling back to understanding that in this world there are diverse amounts of human being sometimes with different people you need to alter your style you need to alter the way you speak to them because you try, if you're let's say trying to deal with this person try to get something done with them right maybe they they're not able to meet you where you are at so sometimes you have to then navigate like your communication style and your language and say like how can i make this interaction work how can i communicate what i need from them and how can they sort of you know you know takes two hands to clap right so sometimes someone is not able to get where you're coming from it's sometimes the onus is on us to actually keep on trying to to navigate to change to keep on trying that right fix until you get the solution that you want but the problem is that um a lot of people is that sometimes they believe that they believe in this equality thing where you know everybody should be treated the same and they forget the fact that when you start to treat people the same right when you start to blur the lines you don't understand who are the key decision makers then sometimes you may miss the mark entirely i think and it's not about giving preferential treatment to people i think i think it's just about understanding in a situation who makes the decisions who has to follow and execute those decisions and sometimes you may notice there are friction between who 
instructs the decision and who actually follows the decision. So sometimes now you have to understand that whenever you communicate with people, you cannot go into a situation completely being blindsided and then like saying like, okay, I didn't know when this was going to happen. I think you must be able to read early on like who makes the decision, how do you navigate interaction with them, who has to then follow the decision and how do you also interact the decision with them. And I think it's that... I think it's, it's sometimes this kind of way of approaching interaction with people, right? It takes effort. And honestly, I think it's important to also realise that, you know, the way we deal with human beings is not a universal, one-size-fits-all thing. So it's about how we adapt ourselves to deal with different peoples of different personalities or different communication styles. It is a skill. It's not... I think for some people, it comes easily to them. Some people, it doesn't. But that's okay. I think as long as we feel like we view every person as somebody that we have to understand, therefore we let, need to communicate in a way they are, that, that is able to fit with them as well, that is only then I think we are able to stretch ourselves, stretch our capability, and stretch our skill set when it comes to dealing with multiple people. Now I think, um, personally for me, I think uh, I begin to notice this as something very important, especially in certain industries uh, where I used to work in. Uh, especially when it deals with a lot of multiple stakeholders, a lot of people from different companies or different industries, right? Not understanding somebody, but expecting them to understand you, it's, it's a bit of an um, error in some ways. And I, when I was reading this book by Robert Greene, right, I began to understand that, you know, you have to always not complain when you're interacting with people and thinking like, why don't they understand you? I think it's important for you to make the effort to try to understand other people and then you make the shift in your communication style. And, and the reason why you want to do this, I think, in the longer term is because the more people you deal with, the more adept are you in changing your communication style to fit the other person, the more things, that, the more um, problems you may be able to face and that, that also builds up the block in how you deal with the world. I think the world is not comprised of one type of person only, the world is comprised of many different type of people. To get better at, that, at handling multiple people means that you have to constantly practice this particular skill itself. So the more, the more you're able to understand the people you're dealing with and you're able to alter your communication style, the more better you get at this particular skill, which then translates to a more easier maybe working arrangement with other people or more easier like navigating interactions and relationships with other people, which is great. Because to become Powerful, you need allies. And the only way you, you have allies is that you're able to connect with people and although they may, may have differences with them, you're still able to get them to do what you want them to do. So the next uh, rule itself is uh, do not be the court cynic. It says that express admiration for the good work of others. If you constantly criticize your equals or subordinates, some of their criticism will rub off on you, hovering over you like a grey cloud wherever you go. People will groan at each new cynical comment and you will irritate them. By expressing modest admiration for other people's achievements, you call attention to your own. The ability to express wonder and amazement and seem like you mean it is a rare and dying talent, but one is still greatly valued. What it means is that, um, in my opinion, is that this means whenever you see good behaviour, whenever you can see other people's achievements, it's important for you to actually acknowledge the other person personally and also publicly. I think this is because the moment you're very cynical, the moment you try to shoot down someone's idea, the moment you try to, you know, like maybe even logically criticize someone when someone mentions something, right? Part of it, you kind of give that impression to people that you're constantly out to get them in some ways. And that may not even be your attention, but intention, but some people feel like you have to get them and therefore they will clam up, they'll close up. And I think we and I think in this world, right, when people are positively rewarded for their achievements or for something that they did was a good thing, they start to feel like because you acknowledge them, that means you 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 recognize what for for the value that they bring to the table. And I think some people actually want to do more of that. They, and also they feel like because you have actually acknowledged something good about them, maybe in public to other people as well, that's how they feel like you're on their side. And when you're, when you're on their side, they're more likely to think, hey, this person is a nice person, you know. Maybe if this person asks me for something, maybe I want to have this person. In this world, we get 
more out of life through honey than through vinegar. So sometimes it makes sense that even though we may we may want to be devil's advocate, we want to be a cynical person, you know, sometimes we have to apply that side of us like cautiously. I think in life it's not about us shooting off whatever is in our mind and is in our mouth unnecessarily. It's about exercising caution, it's exercising restraint. And and that is because when you start to navigate the world and see why do some people, right, are loved by a lot of people? Why is it? Why is that the case? Is it because they're popular? Is it because they are like this have this magnetic charisma? Or is it because they understand how other human beings work? And they seek to bring them value and they also understand how to deal with people that may not sometimes, you know, fit communication styles and all. And they try they still try to make an effort to bridge the gap. So I think it's actually because these people, they understand human beings to a certain extent. And in some ways, if they are not able to you know, get certain things done, they know how to make these people their allies. And therefore, that's how they, they get people to actually move and do things together in, in, in a team setting whatsoever. You know, for example, in personal life and also professional life. The next rule is uh, be self-observant. The mirror is a miraculous invention. Without it, you will commit great sins against beauty and decorum. I think this means that if you never had a mirror, right, when you're dressing, you probably, like, look like a mess. And therefore, you should not be allowed to leave your home. Um, this rule actually says also that you also need a mirror for your actions. This can sometimes come from other people telling you what they see in you, but that's not a trustworthy method. Uh, you must learn to be the mirror for yourself. You must train yourself to see yourself as other people see you. Um, be observant about yourself and you'll avoid a mountain of blunders. I think this is something that is a tricky <coughs> rule to implement, partly because it, it means that we have to exercise self-awareness. So what is self-awareness? I think uh, self-awareness perhaps can come from feedback and criticism from other people. Uh, that also means sometimes when you're hearing those criticism and feedback from other people, you have to evaluate like, okay, does this criticism or feedback have any substance of truth to it? And if many people are saying the same thing, dif I mean, if, if different people are saying the same thing, maybe there must be an ounce of truth to it. But for you to take the criticism and feedback right, you have to objectively sometimes remove yourself from it. Because sometimes when we are we being criticised by other people, when we are told about something about ourselves from other people, and if everybody, like different people keep on saying the same thing, right? We will feel like, okay, like something's up. Like, are they ganging up on us? But then again, why is the same thing being repeated by different multiple people? So I think on some level, it's about being uh, objective, sometimes trying to be less emotional about the criticism or feedback, because sometimes you can bloody well sting. You know, we have feelings, we have people, we're not robots. But I think it's important sometimes to understand that What's been given to you, right, can be used to improve yourself. But first you have to remove the emotional aspect. And then you have to really objectively look at it and say that, is there any ounce of truth? Is there any ounce of logic that you can then begin to see how other people see you? Because I think in our mind, right, we go about life constantly reacting to things. But sometimes we don't understand what we do or what we don't do formulates other people's opinion about us. So when people actually formulate an opinion about you, there are two things that they can do. They can keep quiet about it, you don't know what's on their mind. Or they can tell it directly to your face, then you understand what they're thinking about you. But it can also be sometimes painful because you sometimes will hear things about yourself that you don't want to hear. Or you will hear things about you that seems a bit um, overly critical, for example. Uh, maybe in your life, you know, um, People around you may you you will probably used to a certain level of how people see you, but when someone comes up with a new perspective about you that then they share it with you, right? Sometimes it may be painful because you would say like, how come in my entire life, right, nobody told me about this, but you are the person that tells me you see me in a different way. Um, I think that's how navigating life is sometimes. It's it's tricky because we live with other human beings unless you live on an island, so how you act, right? People are constantly taking that data in and formulating opinions about you. And that formulation of those opinions will tell them how to treat you. So if you want to gain power in this world, you want to have allies, sometimes it's worth actually being observant about yourself and try to see yourself from the way other people see you. So that means the reason why you want to do that is because 
the moment you are training yourself, you're not to see it the, yourself the way other people see you, right? You're not reliant on when other people will be kind enough or honest enough or blunt enough to share their opinion about you. Most of the time when people give an opinion about you, right, um, they give it with the hopes that you may change. And that is if they have good intentions. And sometimes I think you have to have practice critical thinking. You have to really like emotionally distance yourself from the criticism in order to take that, that feedback and then begin to think to yourself like, is this relevant? Is this logical? Does it make sense? If it does make sense, then maybe it's worth, you know, taking the criticism or feedback and trying to improve yourself. If you think it's complete rubbish and you think that the person is a hater, then maybe it's possible that you just chuck it in a garbage can and call it a day. Um, so I think it's, it's important in some sense to constantly tell ourselves like, can we see ourselves the way other people see us? And that means is that we don't get high on our own supply. We don't get giddy and like dizzy with what we think we are. And we miss the, the complete boat. Because I think in life, right, to build allies first of the, first, most of the time, people are very quiet. People don't actually tell you the true opinion about you. But their actions actually reflect whether they think highly of you or not. So there are times in this world, right, let's say we have like conflict with certain people in our life or we don't like what they do, we don't like their behaviour, we politely, we might, we might be polite to their face and this is maybe in the context of like a work relationship where because of money that you have to be professional, you have to get along with someone, you have to uh, communicate the best to your ability. But once we remove money from the picture, I think that's how people's true reaction comes out. That means if this person that you have a conflict with or you don't like, extremely don't like, they come to you asking for something, instead of helping them, you'll be like, no, I don't want to help this person. So that is how I think that's how, why like, understanding the 48 laws of power is so important. Because when you remove the natural like, like bait of money, right, how do you then get people to be your ally and give you something or help you in life? And most of the time, I think it's not about what you know in this world, it's not about like this ability of yours or whatnot. Sometimes it's about the people that you know, the people that have a positive impression about you as a person. And then like, let's say even though you're not like BFFs with them or you're not best, besties with them, right? But because they have a positive impression about you, sometimes when you do really need some help or whatever it is, right? They're willing to step in and help you. So I think that's how, how um, being self-observant helps, is that we are constantly trying to improve ourselves and we... Clash, clash less with other people and then people have a more positive impression about us that end of the day ends up benefiting us end of the day. So that is this particular rule of being self-observant. Um, there's another two rules but I, I think those, these two rules are quite interesting and also partly because like I felt for the longest time personally speaking that before I actually read the 40 laws of power right, I was like I noticed there were certain ways certain people interact and some people will conceal their true intentions and feelings. Let's say they don't get along with somebody, they would actually don't show it out publicly. But, you know, they would withdraw support, they would draw any resources that they can. Because I think in this world, right, people will conceal their, their feedback from you until the point that maybe, you know, they feel like Two things could happen. Lah. They feel the relationship with you is strong enough to withstand any feedback or any criticism about you. That's why they share it. I think that is the most powerful lesson I've learned. Because most of the time, people withhold criticism or feedback is because sometimes they don't know how you take it. And sometimes they're worried that the relationship that they have with you, whether it's a friendship, romantic relationship, or even working relationship, it will get fractured because of it. And I think that's how resentment ends up building up. It gets even more trickier when they feel like you're not changing and then they feel irritated with you and then, you know, causes a whole lot of friction. So I think, you know, sometimes understanding the 48 laws of power, particularly this rule of um, playing the perfect courtier, right? It allows you to not get to the level where you need people to give you feedback about yourself, then only you change. It's like a never-ending process where you yourself evaluate yourself. And then you yourself uh, display objectivity. You, 
you're kind to yourself, you're not overly critical, I think, but you're kind to yourself enough to know that you have your own flaws and weakness and therefore you try to be a better person each day and therefore, end of the day, this self-improvement work is going to benefit you in the end, which is fantastic. I think that's why, you know, there's, there's this appeal of self-improvement. So the last two rules uh, is, one of them is master your emotions. So this rule actually is about, you must be able to disguise your anger and frustration and to fake your content agreement. You must be the master of your own face. Call it lying if you like, but if you prefer not to play the game and to always be honest and upfront, do not complain when other people call you obnoxious and arrogant. I think master your own emotion, right? From what I see is this. Um, I think this is probably what human beings are slightly better at compared to other rules in this particular book, is that there are times that you cannot show your anger and frustration with people outwardly. Because, but <laughs> at the same time, I think sometimes people are able to sense it. So they sometimes feel like when you are not, when like you could have gotten like angry at the scale of 1 to 100, right? You have gotten angry on 100, but you scale it down to like maybe 60 or 50. They feel like in some ways, like, you know, you are exercising restraint. And by you exercising restraint, they still get the picture of like you're feeling a certain emotion. But they feel like they really have to then take the clue and take the signal to then do something about it or not to get to the situation with you as a person. And I usually think that when people ex are seen to exercise restraint in their behaviour, when it comes to their emotions, right, people actually respect them. Because we do not respect people who are very out of control, that cause chaos, that basically go into a screaming fit. I think we respect people that despite all circumstances should have made them extremely, extremely furious, pissed off, angry, and, and etc. and whatnot. They still exercise restraint and they are still able to master their emotions. And when people can master their emotions, right, I think respect actually doubles for that. Because we realise that people who are, very who are acting in a very extremely emotional manner, they usually make very bad decisions. Because they are so in their feelings that they can't think straight. And whatever suits their pain, right? or the, the, the problem of the entire situation is the first thing to be done. However, that particular method, right, of trying to use whatever method that you think will work when you're very angry or, like, when you're not emotionally happy, right, sometimes makes people quite scared, I think. Um, so I think sometimes when things are not good, sometimes you have to be able to disguise it. And disguising, I don't mean... When I say disguise, I don't mean by suppress. Suppress means that you cover it up and don't acknowledge it. I think disguise is to understand that there are times where you have to temper emotions down. And there are times where you have to learn how to fake your contentment and agreement with other people. And as in get along with other people, even though you may not 100% be on board sometimes. And I think this is not about being fake. I think this is sometimes about understanding and reading the room. And understanding and reading room, I think, is always going to be important because you could be someone that is 100% transparent or honest up front, but if you are not able to get along with other people or build allies, right, then, you know, if you are able to stand on your own and if you're very extremely capable of standing on your own, then, you know, there's not a problem. But then again, you can't complain that, you know, other people find you a certain way. Uh, I think people who are honest and straightforward, you know, as long as they say like they're okay with how people see them and they have no issues with it, then it's not a big problem. I think it's when we we have issues of how other people see us, but at the same time, we're still not able to find a common ground or to change or to adapt ourselves to get along with other people for the purposes of needing like resources or support, then it becomes a problem. I think that that's the most interesting thing about human behaviour is that um, Emotions are necessary, however, mastering them is a skill and an art that I believe everybody of us can have, but it takes some time to develop. And also, you get better with this through practice. So I think this is something that um, everybody, I guess, has to learn at their own pace. Some people are honest and very straightforward, which is great, because you never have to feel like you don't have to, like, uh, worry about what they actually truly think because they actually try to tell you what they think so in some ways sometimes being around them is actually quite pleasant uh, but at the same time I think this particular skill of them sorry this particular nature of this kind of person right can get them into trouble so 
I think in life is about understanding like who we are and how do we mitigate the side effects of being our true self. Sometimes being our true self is not not place not the right place, not the right time, and therefore we have to be able to navigate and master our own emotions in a sense. So I come to the final rule in this particular chapter itself. Be a source of pleasure. This is critical. It is an obvious law of human nature that we will flee from what is unpleasant and distasteful while charm and the promise of delight will draw us like moth to a flame. Make yourself the flame and you rise to the top. Since life is otherwise so full of unpleasantness and pleasure is so scarce, you will be as dis indispensable as food and drink. This may seem obvious, but what is obvious is often ignored and unappreciated. There are degrees of, to this. Not everyone can play the role of favourite, for not everyone is blessed with charm and wit. But we can all control our unpleasant qualities and obscure them when necessary. My interpretation of this is... Be a source of pleasure, I would think I would just correlate it to the most, I think, easy example I can think of. Like, don't complain a lot of things to other people. And... Um, I'm trying to also master this particular rule itself because I think when we complain to other people, right, essentially what we're doing is we are voicing out our feelings, we're unloading to other people. But if we don't change the circumstances that have led us to complain about the situation of other people, then they will start to associate us with problems. So basically, like back to my point is that um, when we keep on complaining, we don't change our circumstances, right? after a while, like people start to feel like their emotion dumping grounds. It starts to feel like, okay, like, this person has been complaining about me about this problem for a long time. Like, have they done something about it? Now, I think usually people are quite maybe forgiving in the sense that if you complain to them about something, they give you their feedback, you change your circumstances, and they're like, okay, fine, you know. New complaint, new problem, so, you know, maybe I can still help this person to a certain level. But after a while, right, the problem with complaining sometimes is that if you complain but don't do anything about it, people start to associate it with inaction and that their respect for you actually diminishes because they see you as someone that doesn't get over their circumstances but yet wants to dump your issues onto their plate and everybody has their own life everybody has their own problems to deal with the moment they start to see someone constantly coming to your life just bringing problems for them to hear issues for them to deal with drama for them to fix then they start to feel like you don't bring value into their life you bring very little value that the value is not even like covering up for the amount of problems that you bring into their lives so therefore they feel like they start to feel like you know seeing you is like i don't know being dragged to the depths of hell i guess uh, where they are like do i have to do this again like you know and i think this has been such a powerful like lesson for me personally speaking because i think i've also done this to other people as well which i feel very guilty about right now because i also had tasted this medicine myself and I start to realize, like, um, for us to exercise self-awareness, right, we have to sometimes analyze what comes out from our mouth. And we also have to be objective about it. And we also have to, like, begin to see our own patterns. Like, are we doing certain things that is not helping us in the long term? Are we keep on doing certain things over and over again and getting some sort of, like, same result, right? But the result that we want is not happening. Therefore, we actually have to change our action. So that also comes through, I think, maybe painful self-awareness and sometimes people being very honest with us about their feedback about this. That's why I think um, in this case, people will congregate and be around people that they think they are fun, they bring value to the table, they are less drama, they are, they are great people to be around, there's always good times with them. It's because people inherently want to feel different in this lifetime. Uh, everybody goes to work, everybody has to deal with their own... Um, challenges and tasks at work, right? So what we have in our free time, we want to spend it with people that make us feel good about ourselves. So that's why you always see like entertainment, people always going for things that provides escapism, that makes them happy, that makes them excited, that brightens their day. Or, or even things like even puppy videos, right? It's like, you know, people want to share that because it makes them happy. And I think when you start to think of yourself as somebody, right, could be a source of pleasure or could be a source of happiness to other people, that actually makes you think like, you know, in what way are you adding value to them? So you're not looking at the interaction as to just dump stuff to other people and for them to just take it and listen to you. You're starting to think like, how can you bring value to the interaction with them? And therefore, in a way, make your life more interesting. For example, like, you constantly think of like, how 
can you be a happy person? You constantly find ways to make yourself happy or the ways to make yourself grateful. And by you radiating that kind of vibe, you naturally attract people that are drawn to that. And that also, I guess, is one way of maybe us changing society, is when we start to think like, how can we bring value to other people by giving less of emotional dumping and complaints and problems, and then bringing something that is meaningful to them, that makes them happy or makes us happy first and makes them happy as well. I think it's also because like people actually observe what people do and don't do. So when they observe you not complaining, but they observe you doing more things that bring joy and bring knowledge or happiness, whatever it is, into your life, they start to value more. And when someone values you, right, you know, the times where you want them to be allies, to want them to get, give you resources for certain things, they're like, okay, why not? You know, this person is good to be around. I feel happy when I'm with this person. I don't mind contributing to what this person believes in. So I think that's how um, being a source of pleasure is important. And I would like to tie this to maybe the current circumstances right now that's going on in the world. Because I think it's, it's, it's becoming important to me to realise that um, I started to think that interactions with human beings, right, everybody is now scrutinising those interactions very carefully because they want to know, like, the person that's approaching them for stuff right now, what are they going to do when they approach them? Are they going to, like, scare them with much more, like, doom and gloom news but provide very little solutions? Or are they going to be, like, a good person in their life that brings them maybe some sort of, like, lesson, like some sort of feeling of gratefulness, connectedness, friendship, community. And I think people want to feel happy in this current time. They want to feel like interacting you makes them feel happier, makes them feel energized, or makes them feel connected to another human being. They don't want to leave the interaction, feel like you sucked the life and joy out of their life by dumping more stuff into their plate. And I think it's okay for people to sometimes lean on each other and, and open up about the difficulty that they experience. But I think um, when, when people constantly do that, like over and over a period of time, like dumping a lot of their problems and stuff to other people to listen, and they don't seem to actually resolve it, after a while, like people just won't avoid that because, you know, people have a certain tolerance level uh, of, of things. And, and I think that's why um, exercising personal development is, or even self-awareness is very key. Because... We can't blame people for the way they respond to us sometimes because we have provided them information, data about ourselves that they then formulate their judgment to then make a decision whether to spend time with us or not. So I think the only thing we can do is to try to understand ourselves or even if you feel like there's a lot of things you want to unload, it's always best, I think, to get a journal to actually express your feelings out on paper or even like, you know, express your feelings however it may work out for you without actually going through another person. Uh, by this, I also mean maybe like talking to a therapist or whatnot, like talking to a mental health professional uh, where you now having a structured way of voicing out your feelings so they can get all those feelings and all those worries out of your mind out to something like journaling on a piece of paper or a book. Then you can feel like you have let those things out so that the person that you're bringing to the interactions with other your friends, your family, your co-workers and all that is someone that then has the capacity to now go and fix the problems because you have let and expressed all those feelings out. I think we're dealing with a world right now that's undergoing so much change. So there's a lot of feelings and fears and emotions that is being whirling inside people's head. But if, uh, but I think the usual way of how people unload those feelings and thoughts, emotions and all those stresses, anxiety, right, is to actually vocalise it to somebody else. But the problem that happens is that because this pandemic is something everybody is experiencing right now, so everybody has varying different levels of those stress, anxiety, and fear, and worry. So it's like, if we don't have like a structured way of how to un unload these things out in a healthy way, in a, in a sustainable way, through like journaling, through like talking to a mental health professional, right? And we take that energy into our interactions with people, suddenly people are thinking like, shit, like I have enough thing on my plate and then here you are dumping more stuff for me to, con to consume and handle. And if I feel I cannot support you, I would want to retreat and then avoid you completely because you're just dumping, dumping more stuff. So uh, that's how I think that, <laughs> that I think navigating human interaction in this particular COVID pandemic is starting to get um, tricky. But at the same time, I think people now are looking for ways of how they can express themselves. Uh, you know, whatever they have to do to express themselves, right? They, I think 
finding a way, a sustainable way and a healthy way to express those thoughts and feelings and emotions and not take those complaints and worries and whatnot to interactions with people, right? It's probably something that we can all like practice. And personally, I, I found the value in journaling actually. Uh, sometimes there are a lot of things going on in my head that I feel I have to just put in paper. And when I write everything down, uh, after a while I can just destroy that piece of paper and then the emotions are let out. So when I come to my interaction with people, I feel like I'm not using my interaction with them to get things out of my head and my mind. I'm actually transferring that to a piece of paper which I can express however I want to express. And when I interact with other people, I think in a sense that they are getting a better side of myself. So this is one practice I've found to be quite useful. And um, this actually this practice was actually recommended by uh, one Dr. Habib Sadegi. Uh, he's, okay, so I'm not sure whether he's a GP or specialist, but I heard him on the podcast. And he said like, you can express however you want to express yourself on a piece of paper, you know, write it down, get it out of your system, and then destroy it. In that way, you've gotten anything out of your system, right? You didn't have to complain or whine or, or like rent to another individual, but it went out of your system and it went in a very sustainable way and you destroyed it. So, you know, it's out of your system. So that's good. So I've come to the end of this podcast and basically, you know, I found this 48 Laws of Power to be a very, very good book in terms of return on investment because I think in this world, right, to get power, we have to first understand ourselves and to also understand other people. And then being able to be adept, adept to other people in the way they communicate, in the way us understanding what people actually truly want. And that's how when we modulate our behaviour, when we practice self-awareness, when we practice modesty in not being too ostentatious, I think that's how we formulate very good impressions about ourselves in other people's mind. And when other people like you, they want to help you. And when they want to help you, they usually extend a lot of things in your favour. Resources, context, time, attention, whatever it is, you know. So it's always to our benefit to always think of how can we build more allies in our life? How can we give value to other people, build allies, and therefore these people end up, you know, helping us in our quest to get more power, to get whatever things we need to actually, like, want to meet our goal.